Well, good morning again, everyone. So glad to see everyone. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity uh, every time I get a place where I can share some thoughts from what God has told us. So I appreciate the opportunity today to be with family here at Lindsley Avenue. I want to talk about God this morning. I think we don't spend enough time talking about God. And the ideas for today's lesson came to me a long, long time ago. I was sitting in a class where somebody was reading a passage saying, God is this, God is this. And I thought, ah, ah, there's a class right there. Let's fill in the blank. God is, and then use different words that the Bible fills in that blank with. And so for the message this morning, as you can see here on the screen, hopefully everybody has a copy of the page that has it all there if you can't read what's on the screen. I want to talk about God is calling. Technical issues. There we go. God is calling. So let's start out with filling in the blank of God is calling. The first passage here uh, comes from a familiar place in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3. So let's look at what we have recorded here in the book of 1 Samuel. We read, And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. But the Lord called Samuel and said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he, Eli, said, I did not call. Lie down again. Now, if you're a parent, you've probably had that before, and you tend to think that this young child just won't go to sleep. Uh, I can recall my daughter walking into a room and very leery-eyed, rubbing her eyes, walking into where we were, and like, get back into bed. That's essentially what Eli's doing. It's like, what are you doing up? Go back to bed. So he, Samuel, went to lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. You know, Eli's having a tough evening. Samuel will stay in bed. But he, Eli, answered, I did not call my son, showing some patience here, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him, to Samuel. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. God had called out to Samuel. I'm a firm believer that God calls out to each and every one of us in some manner or other. I don't believe that uh, voices speak in our head. I don't believe that voices would sound in the room. But God has a calling. God has a purpose for each one of us. And I believe that purpose is recorded in what God has already said here in his word. So God is calling. God is calling Samuel. God is going to be calling you. And God is calling me. So let's read a little more. This passage is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Isaiah is speaking here. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? You know, sometimes when 
some job needs to be done, when something needs to be done. You know, somebody else said, I wonder who's going to do that. Have you ever noticed some people kind of do this? You know, kind of look down and maybe they'll break eye contact. It's like, that's not what Isaiah does in response to this call from God. Saying, you know, who can I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah steps right up and says, here I am, send me. I wish that had been my response more in the past when some challenge came from God when something needed to be done. I've told this story on myself because I want everybody to understand that I had made just as many mistakes as everyone else. There was a time at the church building when we had some big gathering, chairs and tables that had been set up in the classrooms, you know what I'm talking about. And we had the function and it was starting to wind down and I had some place so I, I did what sometimes people will do. I made kind of the beeline for the exit before all the cleanup needed to do. Because I had something I needed to go through. I did. But as I'm getting to the door, I'm kind of looking back. You know how you want to make sure nobody spots you, perhaps, as you escape. And as I looked over there, there was one of the older elders who was hobbling, carrying a couple of chairs that he had folded over to where they needed to be put up. I looked at that and I did this. So I slowly walked back, having been shamed by what I saw at his exam. And I, I told him years later that that impacted me. My time was so important, I didn't have time to do what needed to be done. I'd been there to enjoy the circumstances and the setup, but I got things I need to go through. I don't have time to do and yet there he was as the shepherd, being an example. And that time, perhaps the only person he was an example to was to me. And so I turned around and went and tried to be one of the last people. When the call comes out, what's my answer? Do I have something I need to go do? Or do I have the response to where, here I am, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? So here was the message God said for Isaiah. Go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of these, these people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, or less, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and return to be healed. These people have had opportunity after opportunity to turn back to God, and they have simply refused to do it. So God essentially tells Isaiah, go and make sure there's no excuses. Tell them all the time. Tell them what they need to be doing, even if they're not going to listen. No one's going to have the response. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Sometimes that may be our calling, our purpose. Go and tell everyone whether they're going to really listen or not, because they need to have been told. That's what God is telling Isaiah. The next book over in Jeremiah, chapter 7, verses 13 and then 23 through 25. Here's what we read. God speaking to the people. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you rising early up and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. He says, you've got to listen to me. You haven't in the past. 
But notice what God holds out if his people will turn back to him. Obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. And walk in the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. That's what he told them. Yet, never a good word to have come after something like that. Yet, they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and dictates of their evil hearts and went backward and not followed. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. But they did not incline their ear. They weren't trying to listen. And when we don't listen to when God calls, it's never going to work out. Never. Another passage here from Jeremiah, chapter 38, verse 20. But Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord which I speak to you, so that it may be well with you, and your soul shall live. If we're not listening to God when He calls, whoever we're listening to is not the right person to be listening to. I mean, Jeremiah is sometimes called the weeping prophet because it was his place to be the, the prophet in the middle of Judea when doom was coming. And God had told him, you're going to talk and you're going to talk and you're going to plead with these people. You're going to be crying. They are not going to listen. Get out there and do it anyway. Get out there and do it anyway. You know, sometimes I worry that all of us, perhaps individually, maybe just like Jeremiah, Speaking in the middle of a group of people that are just intent on heading to destruction. That's not a political statement. There, are, there is no uh, right party or wrong party when it comes to God. All people are going to have their mistakes. Nobody's listening to God. Nobody's listening to God. We need to be out there speaking to them so that they can hear what God wants of them. And hopefully there will be some that will turn to God. We can't turn our head away and say, well, that's kind of useless. I have no sense in me talking about it. Skipping over to the book of Acts in a different way that God is calling. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 40. Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We often have sermons that will end with that because there is a call to action. Based on what God has done for us by sending His Son, with Jesus having lived that perfect life, with Him having died so that we have the opportunity to live. There's a response that's needed from us. But look at what else comes after this. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. The promise of what? Forgiveness. The promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, as you and me. And as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he, Peter, solemnly testified and kept on exhorting, encouraging and saying, Be saved or save yourself from this perverse generation. We're still living in a perverse generation. You can't drive and walk too far from here without seeing some buildings that are dedicated to things that God is not happy with. But he's still calling people to come back to him, to come home to him. We can be agents 
of that call by telling people the good news. Telling people the good news. People today still need to be saved from this perverse generation in which we find ourselves. Number six, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification being made different. Sanctification, one of those big fancy dancy words. Being made holy or different from all the people around you by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which He called you. God called them through their gospel by obtaining the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we respond to the call of God, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to be distinguishable to be told there's a difference between me and the people around me. God called them. He calls us even today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Speaking to people who are members of God's family, Peter says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him, God, who called you out of darkness. The people around us who are not yet members of God's family are still living in darkness the way we used to be. But he's calling us out of darkness into what? Look at the language here. Into his, God's, marvelous light. He could have said out of darkness into his light. He didn't. He put an extra word in there. It's not just leaving darkness and entering light. It's his marvelous light. The light that God calls us into is not simply the absence of darkness. It's not simply walking into light. It's wonderful. It's fabulous. It's marvelous. And it goes along with what God has prepared for those who believe in him. You cannot imagine. It's truly going to be marvelous. And it's marvelous today. So God is called. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul had been called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Remember when you see sanctified, you can think set apart, different, holy. To them who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Saints is another word that sounds like a church word. You're called to be people of God. People who are different from those who are around you. To be holy, to be special, to be different. Not living like everyone else is. And the people in Corinth were living in a very terrible city. It's compared to Las Vegas sometimes, but that's insulting Las Vegas. History says we had to step over people in Corinth who were being immoral in the middle of the street. In that immoral place, God had many people in this city to go home. They were called to be saints with them, all them that in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. There were people in Corinth God had called to be saints. There were people in Nashville. Called to be saints. Some of us are here. Some of us are still not yet responding to that call. 
There are people in Nashville who are God's people who need the opportunity to hear what God has done for them. And that opportunity is going to come from you. Call to be saints. God is calling, but at the same time, in an odd way, I love this. Sometimes you'll have a word you can say, God is blank. And you can have the exact opposite word also describe God. God is near. He is near to each one of us, but He's also far above our understanding. So God is in some ways near, in some ways He's far. He's calling, but notice, He's also listening for each one of us. He's also listening. First, Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14 and 15. Hear God speaking. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, God says, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my ears will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. If we are focused on God, then God will hear us and perhaps, hopefully, heal our land. A land where people would not be focused on greed, where people will receive justice no matter how much money they have or don't have, no matter what shade their skin color may be. Justice treated fairly. The land needs to be healed, period. And it starts with each of us making sure justice is established in the game. That is a, that is a statement from the book of Amos. We need to be instruments of seeking, seeing that God's justice is established and that people turn to God. Very, very important. God is listening. He will listen to our prayers if we have turned to Him. Psalm 86, 5 through 7. The psalmist says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to You. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. God's listening. He's listening for our prayers. He's listening for our call for justice. He's listening for us to reach out to him and tell him what's in our hearts. He's calling, but he's also listening at the same time. Psalm 102, 15 through 17. And the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will re rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. Look at this. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. God will hear the prayer of the poorest person on the face of the earth. He will hear the prayer of the person in the most trouble if they turn to him. We used to tell individuals down at the jail when we would go down there that you can come to God. It may not get you out of jail tomorrow, but you can know God hears you if you will turn to him. He's listening. He's listening. A couple of smaller passages here. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. If you're seeking God, he will hear you. Psalm 119, I have declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. 
Tell me and teach me what you want me to do. He declared his ways for God, and God heard him and answered him. Job 22, 27. You will pray to him, and he will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows. You will pray to him, and he will hear you. There's a statement in Scripture that is a false statement. It's made by a Jewish leader, not from God. The Bible sometimes quotes people and records what they said, but it doesn't mean everything everybody else said is true. In the Gospel of John, there's a statement, Now we know that the Lord does not hear sinners. That is not a statement from God. God heard Cornelius' prayer. If God hears me, I'm a sinner. God hears anyone who reaches out to him. Period. Period. God does hear sinners. That was a false statement made by a Jewish leader in the Gospel of John. Again, if he's going to hear me, I'm a sinner. So he will hear your prayers if you call out to him. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. As members of his family, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If I ask something from God that's according to his will, he hears us. You know, if I ask for a nice red Tesla, that's an $80,000 car. God, give me a Tesla. Is it going to be out in the parking lot when I walk out here? I mean, please give me a Tesla. No. Why? That's not according to his will. Granting me some $80,000 red electric car is not according to his will. But if I ask for forgiveness, if I ask for help in living the kind of life I need to live, if I ask for help to take his good news to people who haven't heard it yet, So John here says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Pray for wisdom. Pray for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Pray for forgiveness when we fail God. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, sometimes if you see politicians, whether they're local politicians or uh, national politicians, you'll hear that they want to make things better for us, but let's face it, most of those people have more money than we can even imagine. I don't get the impression any of them have ever been hungry. I don't get the impression any of them know what it is to live like you and I live. When it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, our high priest, that's not true. Jesus came and lived the life on the earth as a man. He was hungry. He was tired. He was thirsty. He knew what it was like to be betrayed by a close person to him. 
He was tempted in all manner like we are. He knows what living on the earth is like. He knows the temptations have come up. Notice, yet without sin. But because he knows what it's like, I can reach out to God through him, and he knows. He knows. If I were to write a letter to any prominent politician in the country outlining my worries, I really don't think they would understand. You know, many of those people have either never been poor or never worried about paycheck to paycheck or how they're going to pay a bill or where their next meal is going to come from. Jesus knows what it's like to be concerned, to be hungry, to be thirsty, to feel betrayed. He's a great high priest because he knows what it's like to live here on the earth. And for that reason, we can have confidence that when we go to God, we will find, look what he says, grace to help in time of need. God is listening. He is listening. All we have to do is reach out and speak to him. And then look in Philippians 4. This is the last of the passages. Paul tells the people in Philippi, be anxious for nothing. How tough is that? How tough is it not to be anxious? Anxious, we're going to catch something called corona. Maybe get sick or die from it. Anxious. Anxious about how we're going to get through this week. How we're going to find help when we need it. And it seems to me sometimes that we as people, that's all we have is anxiety. If we're experiencing anxiety, if I'm experiencing anxiety, it's because I don't have my eyes on the prize. I don't have my eyes on Jesus like they ought to be. I'm too worried about myself instead of worrying about, here I am, send me. I might not raise my hand if I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, if I'm not sure how I'm going to pay for it, if I'm not sure how I'm going to do this or that. Isaiah doesn't say anything. He's like, I'm right here. I'll do it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, another fancy word for essentially praying and reaching out to God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you have something that's worrying you, don't worry about it. Throw it on to God. And another passage, we are told to cast all of our cares on Jesus because he cares for us. Be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The only way to find peace is to throw all of the things that worry us on the ground. God is calling and, strangely enough, if you think about it, listening at the same time. We should obey his voice. Samuel, when he was called, jumped up. Even to the annoyance of Eli, we should obey his voice. We have been called to be holy and to be saints. We're supposed to be different from the people who are around us who are not God's people. We're supposed to live our lives with care and love for our neighbor and our love for God. Since God is calling, first question is, are we listening? Am I listening to what God's asking for me? Eli was listening, jumped right up. God is calling people today. Some of them are not listening. 
more personal question. Am I listening? Am I listening to what God wants to be different in my life? I can't answer that question for you. I know I have improvements, changes I need to make in my life. Do you? God's calling for the changes to be made. But God is also listening. He will hear our prayers. Since God is listening, are we, are you, am I calling out to Him? It's a really basic thing. God wants me to be His child, to be His person, to live for Him. The only answer that has any hope associated with it is, here I am. Take my life. If you have any need at all, whether to say, I need to get my life right with God and straighten myself out, if I'm not yet a member of this family, seize the day. Do it now. If you're watching this at some point in the future, please reach out to somebody. Track Anyone here at Disney Avenue, a church nearby, would be happy to try to help 